dude. Starting guard <laughs> from Australia. Well, really from the Archaeologist University of Miami. Jordan from off the top. <laughs> Solid. You guys, you have quite a crowd behind you right now. Um, yes, yeah, I really like that intro. Yeah, and I think it's still saying, Julian, where where would you be coming from? Obviously, I went to Archaeologists University in Miami, biggest of the nation. Yeah, uh, right now I'm standing in uh, the Archaeologist Center Garden, half court, just kind of stretching, getting warmed up. Gotcha. Well, uh, I feel like this intro is very telling of what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about kind of the of the like professional ball experience and not just particularly like the NBA and, you know, in the country of the United States, but overseas. So today we have a very special guest, one of my really good buddies traveling thousands of miles away to do this podcast solely. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself, man. Hey everyone, uh, my name is Joel Spear and I am from Adelaide, Australia. Um, I've played four years of college basketball with yourself, Jordan, at Southern Oregon University and graduated in 2016 and yeah, I've just been playing ball ever since then. Yeah, exactly. Um, so like Joel, how did you start in that experience in itself, as in, you know, you find yourself, you know, born and raised in Australia, Adelaide, yeah. and you find yourself playing professional ball in Europe somehow, like, you know, give us a real brief synopsis of like, you know, your kind of like history with that. Okay. So, uh, I was kind of, I was born into a, a basketball family. So I'm a third generation basketball player. My grandfather played, uh, my dad played professionally in Australia as well for my hometown. And uh, so I was kind of just born into it. And you know, I started from the age of five and had a pretty successful junior career in Australia, played for the national team. And uh, then kind of just made my way across the US after I graduated from high school. And then, yeah. So, gotcha. Joel, in that, in that scenario, right, being uh, born in Adelaide, third generation basketball player, um, what yeah. were some of the basketball influences outside of your family? Like, were there any professional athletes you looked at that were um, either stateside or from Australia? Who, like, kind of, you know, influenced you to pursue basketball? Outside of my family, I think just from growing up watching the NBA on TV, um, I would say my childhood heroes were Alan Iverson, just the way he carried himself on the court. And then uh, later on, moved into, you know, Kobe Bryant was a big time hero of mine. And uh, they, I guess they were the main two growing up that I watched and, you know, tried to portray on the court. Um, in terms of from basketball in Australia, I think there was a Hall of, or Hall of Famer, Brett Maher. He was an Adelaide 36er point guard, captain of the team, and a really successful player and uh, someone who I modeled myself on and off the court. Through. All right, all right, yeah, that's uh, gotcha. that's pretty cool. Probably some names that you guys wouldn't have heard before, but he was a really, really good, good player. So. No way, man! Brett Meyer had that poster up when I was about eight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so you know, is was kind of the the dream always to kind of you know like progressionally go from you know when you were playing uh, basketball in Adelaide go, growing up was the idea always to kind of go to the states and play ball 
or this was that kind of like a happenstance thing and then on top of that if you could talk about kind of your idea of playing pro ball too like where was your mindset when you were coming up about those things so i take it back to my dad having played in the nbl himself growing up as a kid that's all i really wanted to do just because he did it and my dad was someone that i that i really looked up to and um you know he was my mentor in, in terms of basketball and life off the court as well but he was someone that i really wanted to um, look up to and, and and follow in his footsteps i guess so growing up the states wasn't really on my mind in terms of basketball but all i really wanted to do was stay in australia and, and play and follow in his footsteps so i guess once I kind of saw, and once I got older and I was in middle school and then moving into high school, there were guys before me that made this made the move from Australia basketball over to college basketball. And once that was kind of on my mind and I learned more about it, that was the kind of path that I was willing to take and really wanted to take. Um, and then, yeah, I guess the same thing in terms of European basketball, moving from uh, the college setting seeing Americans not really having a league here in Australia to fall back on outside of the NBA. Um, I guess there's, what is there again? I mean, there's the JBA <laughs> and then the G League as well. Yeah, well, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the D League is still a really, really superior league in, in the States Absolutely. and in the world. And then, yeah, I guess in Australia, we have very different levels that you can play in throughout the rest of your career. If you don't make it to the NBL, there's various other leagues that you can play in, mm -hmm. but um, so yeah, during the college, once I kind of had the European basketball in my mind, that's just, yeah, just no. you know, there's one thing I you kind of touched on. I want to see if what Jordan thinks on this, right? So Joel just says that, you know, the G league is still one of the more premier leagues, um, in the world at this point, but it gets no, not a whole lot of love in the U S what what do you think you know why why do you think the g league doesn't get as much love um still being one of the top leagues um as i kind of want to say this analogy that kind of popped into my head but i don't want to offend anybody but think of it this way i would say imagine you have two friends and one of the friends is you know really good looking and you know really cool does a Thank whole you. bunch of cool stuff and the other friend is yeah. <laughs> and the other friend is kind of just about that but not as good as everything else who are we going to be hanging out yeah. with if, you know if you could spend your time only with one friend at a time that's why i think that the g league doesn't get as much okay. love as the NBA. And Joel, so now I'm going to spin that question to, so seeing that the G League, as you say, is one of the more premier leagues, um, do you see a lot more Americans um, coming over to, um, I guess, an American sense, a foreign league or like Europe or Australia? Are there like more Americans entering those leagues or are they still all kind of trying to stay stateside as much as possible? I think it's definitely growing the number of i mean every league in australia you get a like one or two imports in the nbl i think you have three now and i think there's ways that you can even come straight from high school in america to go play overseas in the nbl um kind of bypassing the college route and then making it into the nba from there 
So last year, I think the, I think it was last year or the year before, the Adelaide 36ers had Terence Ferguson come all the way up from uh, from the States and he got drafted to mm-hmm. OKC in the first round. Um, so he kind of bypassed the college system and, and did it that way. But um, I definitely think uh, there's more and more American athletes um, coming over to Australia and, and playing yeah, that makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, you know, you have that huge pool of talent that you could draw from as well. And so, and I know a lot of players just like playing, and I know, Joel, that you know this too, that, you know, some people's aspirations are solely to like, you know, play basketball overseas, you know, see parts of the world that they would have normally not seen. And then kind of, you know, because there is a very, very high hurdle mark to make or high watermark to be at to make it to the developmental league or the NBA. Now, Joel, talking about kind of like uh, a few things about your experience in Australia, I'm really curious, um, what has your experience been like or what did you expect your experience to be like playing in Europe and what kind of happened? And, you know, was it exactly the same as you thought it would be or was it kind of different? Uh, I think it was and was not. Let me elaborate on that. In, in terms of the basketball and the, the level of competition that I pictured in my mind, my experience in Norway being in the in that league, um, it it wasn't as competitive as I imagined the European basketball to be like, the level of competition. I think that's just in, in Norway, not taking anything away from Norwegian basketball, but if you were to, you know, turn on the TV and watch some EuroLeague games, you'd see how really competitive and, and up-tempo and just exciting to watch that game was. And that's what I was kind of expecting to be like, maybe just because I built it up in my mind over the years watching that stuff. But it was still a really good level of competition. I take nothing away from it. I had a really great experience. I um, met a lot of good friends on and off the court. And, um, yeah, I, I really okay. enjoyed my time. Um, so what so. were some of the, like, in terms of competitive, like seeing on how, you know, basketball just everywhere kind of ranges the different play styles, attitudes, swaggers, you know, fundamentals, et cetera. What were some of the differences you noticed transitioning from Australia to Norway or even from, you know, Australia to the States for college? What were some of those like little intricate things that you noticed? that you're like, wow, this is slightly different than, you know, how we do it where I'm from. Uh, well, how about this? Like, obviously, there's a lot of cultural differences between, you know, Australia and the U.S. that you have to get used to. And I'm assuming that in Norway, it's not exactly like, you know, where we're at right now. So, like, what are some of those things that you kind of, you know, are not particularly to do with basketball, but does affect the way that basketball, you know, that you would play or affects the game a little bit, you know? Uh, I guess... The first difference that you, in terms of Australia to Norway was the weather. So, you know, in Norway, it's absolutely freezing. Um, you're indoors most of the time in a heated, in a heated environment and you couldn't really go outside and, you know, go on runs or just hang out with friends, that type of thing. So you're always kind of indoors, either doing something or just resting or in the gym working out or getting, getting buckets and practicing and whatnot. In Australia, you can kind of do your own thing outside in the summer, and even in the winter, it's not nowhere near as cold as what it is in Norway. So, um, I guess that's a, a cultural difference right there. But uh, um, 
food is another big difference. Norwegian food, Australian food, and American food. Um, you kind of compare that. You could imagine what they all are like. Um, you've been to Australia yourself, Jordan. What do you think about America to uh, to Australia? Australia? Um, yeah, I think that you can find yourself in a very different like food climates wherever you go, and specifically Australia, the places I visited. Uh, with a lot of cultural cultural diversity, you know, you found different foods, you know, you found like a lot of Lebanese food, you found, you know, different pockets of culture and the pockets of the world delivered in food. And so I can just imagine, I mean, and I thought that Australia and America weren't as different as, you know, I found a burger and fries and stuff like that. Granted, they're made a little differently than I'm used to, but I could imagine Norway having really little relation between Australia or American food. Yeah. So like in this transition to, um, does your agent help you at all with like getting, you know, somewhat settled in these new environments or does, you know, your agent basically help you find a team and then kind of gives you a location and you end up there? How is that, you know, how's the relationship with an agent for you? My first experience over in Europe, I kind of got there on my own without, um, without an agent. So the Norwegian club contacted me and it kind of just worked out that way that, that I ended up over there. This past, uh, or since then, since I've finished there and I've had a, a season in Australia, I've signed with um, an agent and kind of my first experience going through that process, I guess, of waiting and uh, relying on him to kind of go out there and get me a job and find a team for me. So it's a very new experience to me and the process itself is you know, a little insider to uh, professional basketball athletes overseas is just a lot of waiting and a lot of uh, frustrate, frustrating days not knowing what's going to happen or where you could end up around the world. So you just got to try and stay um, as relaxed and as calm and, and trust the process, I guess, as much as you can and make sure that you're doing the right thing uh, to stay ready um, you know, on and off the court. Yeah. Yeah. Trust the yeah. process. I like it. Yeah. And I can imagine, you know, uh, that, you know, it's very different roads to travel, kind of like, you know, when you went to Norway, it was very serendipitous. And the fact that, you know, this team contacted you, you happen to be interested in going over there and it just kind of worked out. Um, let's say that, you know, in the normal course of action, how do you think it's most likely somebody who, you know, is interested in playing overseas basketball, let's say they meet the the high watermark of, you know, the skill level, the talent and all that good stuff. Um, do you think it's easier for them just to find an agent and help them through the process or, you know, go headhunting themselves? I mean, I think you can do a bit of both. It wouldn't really hurt. But if you do sign with an agent, I think it's kind of up to you. You do your job on the court and putting up the stats and the performances that you put on. And then off the court, once you're in between seasons, trying to work for that next job, I think that that job kind of falls on the agent. And um, But yeah, you're kind of working coincide with each other. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess since all of us have played basketball at some sort of level, what is your guys' least favorite aspect of basketball? Obviously, like there's complete love for the game, but I think everyone would be lying if there's not a least favorite aspect of maybe practicing or just basketball in general. A least favorite aspect of the game of basketball. It's a tough one. I could, uh, I could probably talk a little bit on that. I think my least favorite part of the game of basketball kind of doesn't have anything to do with basketball. 
I mean, there's always a level of, you know, like uh, politics that go into the game and, you know, a little bit of off the court stuff that makes its way onto the on the court stuff, if you guys know what I'm saying. And I feel like I'm kind of yeah. not uh, coloring it probably in the best way, but I think that if you played basketball or played any sport or kind of like, you know, experienced much of life, you know that, you know, it's not strictly on performance. And I think that um, almost that separation of, you know, real life production results and, you know, uh, you know, what you see as far as on the court, I think that that in itself is probably one of the parts about basketball that I'm just like, well, that really doesn't help much you know, to progress basketball in itself. Yeah, I guess the yeah, external factors can be can be tough. I think um, for me is uh, I'll go end game as the you roll up to the gym. You're feeling pretty good. You know, had a good meal before, some good rest. You're in warm ups, just killing it. You're like, wow, this is phenomenal. I haven't felt this in a little while. Roll into the game, you know, get your first shot at one of the spots you've been knocked down from all warm ups. Just brick it. And it just goes the rest of the game where nothing is happening. I think it's the worst, my least favorite part of basketball. Like, there's no reason why you really start doing those things, but it's just like um, unforeseen and just kind of embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you're just feeling like Kobe out there and then game time, you're Shaq. It's pretty, (laughs) yeah. And you have to adjust in real time. It's tough. Yeah. I guess for me, the. My my least favorite aspect of of basketball that goes for all sports. It's going to sound really generic, but it's the losing feeling after the game if you do lose. But uh, mm. my season in Norway, uh, I mean, we weren't we didn't make finals. We were you know kind of battling injuries throughout the year, and um, we lost some more games than when we won. Obviously, and that that feeling uh, is kind of dampens your mood moving forward after the game into the post-game process, whether it just be relaxing at home, kicking it with friends or whatever, it kind of takes a toll on on how you're feeling and your attitude. But, um, yeah, I'd definitely say that's the worst the worst aspect of is losing. So, Yeah, and I think you touched on a good part. I think one of the best aspects of, you know, basketball, and maybe for you, Joel, it's been even more of an experience, but, like, the camaraderie that you make in between teams traveling you know preseason workout postseason workouts um all those the little antics and inside jokes you make through the basketball process and everything around that i think that's probably one of the best parts of basketball regardless of you know where you are yeah and just to paint like that picture a little bit better i'm sure joel that you know good like you've said you know when in your norway experience you made a lot of good you know, had a lot of good experiences and made a lot of good friends on and off the court. And so, you know, I think experiencing life and something that you've done more so than any average basketball player has experienced different things in your life through the medium of basketball is pretty awesome. Yeah. Basketball has definitely opened the doors up in terms of traveling for me around the world. It's bringing, it's making a lot of, it's given me an opportunity to make a lot of good friends around the world in different countries. So I've obviously been really close to you over the last six years since mm-hmm. we first met, freshman yep. year at college. Um, and that goes with a lot of other friends I've made here in the States and, and family even. So I've been very, very fortunate that Basel has given me the opportunity to travel the world and, and, and build these relationships 
um, whether it be with teammates or with just friends off the court. Um, but definitely lucky that I can come back in situations like this, count on the relationships that we that we've made throughout the years and and uh, and catch up. Yeah. And so I would be remiss if I didn't mention kind of like there's a little extra. And I think this is the more entertaining and amusing part about basketball, just kind of the funny stories. Joel, you told me an experience that you had recently of you playing with a couple like NBA players or like older-ish NBA players. And so could you tell me about your experience playing with Amari Stoudemire that you had in Vegas not so long ago? Oh, didn't think you were going to bring that up, B, but I uh, appreciate <laughs> it. Oh. So in Norway, we had a, another Amer- we had an American teammate on our team, Harvard graduate, Evan Harris. Shout out to him. But uh, we became really close friends, and um, he said if I was ever in, in America again to come over to Vegas during the summer and uh, and train with him through Impact Basketball. And when it just happened, only a few weeks ago, that I decided to come over here and visit everyone. I decided to stop by Vegas for four days and train with him. And uh, believe it or not, all those guys are there. It's a big training facility, I guess, for American uh, for NBA players that have come through. You know, you walk in the doors to Impact and you see all the jerseys hanging up around the building and you just kind of starstruck from that. But then when the players actually come in and you're working out with them and scrimmaging with them, it's an unbelievable feeling and experience. And uh, those guys, they play scrimmage at, at noon and they play best of seven and so it's first of four wins and they mix up the teams here and there and you know, you're kind of waiting to get on the court. And when you finally do, my first experience, I grabbed the ball and I threw it at the bottom of the backboard, you know, because I had Amir Johnson, Amara Stoudemire, those guys <laughs> waiting to block my shot underneath the hoop. So I was kind of nervous in that sense, but um, definitely didn't mean to put it underneath the bottom of the hoop. But <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely was kind of nervous to shoot the ball. And then I was just kind of fortunate that uh, a few possessions later, I got my shot from the perimeter and I went in. So I kind of felt... Um, a little bit better about myself after that. But uh, I think it was the second day I had a little interaction with Amari. Um, an NBA player got around me, and as he should, respectively. So I'm an SOU graduate from an NAI school. Like He's an NBA player. And someone got around me, went in, got a layup, and Amari just kind of looked at me and he's just, play defense. <laughs> he kind of just raised his voice at me a little bit. I kind of looked up, and he's bloody... What is he, 6'10", something yeah, like that? Probably. Yeah, he's a close seven foot. Just a phenomenal athlete. I'm just kind of looking up at him saying, yes, Amari, sir, yeah, no worries. <laughs> like, don't hurt me. <laughs> don't block my shot. No. But it was, a, it was a really cool experience. And very fortunate that Evan reached out and gave me that opportunity to stay with That's him. That's crazy because, like, the thing I was just thinking, I, I just, I've been reading a book of, called Boys Among Men. It's about um, ba- high school basketball players who transition straight into the NBA um, before 2004 when it was allowed. And Amari Stoudemire was one of those. And all of the <clears throat> interviews and people they talked to for the book basically said Amari Stoudemire was like most notably a man before he was in the NBA. And then he just got even like sicker and more vicious once he got to the league. So I think it's crazy that you, when you go to this place, you meet with like a perennial well-known NBA all-star um just bad boy and you get to have like a, a cool interaction i mean probably wasn't cool when you're on the court but looking back like a pretty cool interaction 
definitely a very cool experience. I mean, to say that I had an NBA player, a whole future Hall of Famer, and Mario Stoudemire, is you know, yelled at me. You know, it's just a surreal experience. It's, I mean, though it shouldn't have happened, I should have played better defense at the time. Run it. He's an NBA player. Yeah. Amari, I know you're listening to this. Uh, you know, Joel will do better next time. <laughs> yeah. That's solid. Um, I guess in kind of coming to a close and um, gotten a good feel here. So, Joel, what what is next for you? What are some of the things, you know, in terms of basketball? We'll talk basketball. Like, So you're in the States right now. You have an agent. And you're just kind of waiting. So in that time, what are you like? That are you like working out? What are some of the steps you're doing just to stay ready for when you know you get that call? So, as you said, my, as I said before, my season just finished two weeks ago, three weeks ago in Australia, and uh, I kind of decided at the time that I wanted to come over and see everyone. And what better place to do that than to be at the, in the same town as where you went to college? So you have access to you know your coaches, your assistant coaches, and you have all the connections in the weight rooms and all that sort of stuff. So there's definitely ways that, I, well, there's, that's how I took it. As I could come over here, have a holiday, catch up with my guys, but also you know, take it very seriously every day. I'm doing the right things, eating wise, um, you know, working out in the weight room on the court, you know, two or three times a day. So I'm staying ready uh, to the best that I can, but at the same time, I'm having as much fun as I can hanging out, catching up with my guys. Yeah, I mean, it's been an awesome trip here, Joel. So I'm like super happy that you came. And obviously, like, you know, it's it's very important for you to stay, you know, sharpened and, you know, basketball ready because, you know, like a lot of players in your situation, you never know when you're going to get that call or where you're going to get that call as That's well. Right. So, you know, mentally, physically, and emotionally, you got to be ready to, you know, do whatever at a moment's notice. Yeah. And so, Jill, I really want to thank you for, you know, taking the time doing this podcast as a professional basketball player. I know you're just flying around, uh, you know, dropping defensive sets, <laughs> NBA players, but left and right. <laughs> now I'm joking. But I, I want to kind of give you the opportunity to talk about things that you're doing. I know you're busy with basketball, but is there any other thing that, you know, that you have going on possibly? Yeah. So a little insight to everyone out there. I'm kind of at that point where we're ready to drop uh, my own podcast, which is going to be called Off Court Culture. Uh, myself and one of my teammates back home, we've kind of come together and uh, come up with this idea where we're going to you know, provide a setting for athletes to come in and kind of share their experiences about how they got to where they are, their life off the court, kind of like a day in the life type situation and just come in and chill and you know, chew the fat type thing. So, yeah. Gotcha. And I think that that's something that's really interesting, too, in the fact of, you know, not a lot of people know exactly what the off the court is like. So, you know, if you guys are interested in this, obviously you tune into this podcast, you're into this stuff. So definitely give that one a look. See. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, make that hop from off the top to off the court. We'll leave his uh, links and stuff below so you can get in contact with Joel and um, listen to that podcast. Um, as always, we're on 12 platforms. Really appreciate the support and the continuous growth that you've provided with us with this platform. Um, yeah. Thank you a whole lot. Yeah, guys. Thanks once again, man. Uh, just the more we do this, the more grateful I become as a human being, as an archaeologist, as a podcaster. So thanks. Catch you next time. Bye.